everyone welcome to the north league jits podcast today on the show i'm joined by uh luke here the griffith uh, who's from south africa but training at new wave jiu-jitsu in austin after um we did a podcast with giancarlo last week and he said we should definitely get luke on the show and here he is awesome thanks so much for doing this man uh, thanks for having me man uh, it's a pleasure to be here and, you know, nice cool. i think you're right well, this must be the i don't know maybe the the fourth south african BJJ guy I've interviewed in my podcasting oh, wow. career. <laughs> yeah. The other guys. Uh, there's a guy called Richard Kerrigan. Yeah, he was a he's now a black belt under Hodger Gracie. Um, okay. But he was like ranked number two or number one in the world at Masters Brown Belt at one point. Um, yeah. And then there's a guy called Liam Quinn who was uh, who was a brown belt when I interviewed. He's black belt now, but he was like a um, a, bra- a black belt in judo as well down in Australia. Okay. Uh, there's a couple other guys uh, from the Marines and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, uh, you were from Johannesburg, right? I'm from Johannesburg. Yeah, uh, from a like suburb called Krugersdorp. Uh, pretty small, small place, but uh, yeah, never, never really moved around much. But uh, yeah, Johannesburg, Krugersdorp. Now, what, what was it like um, growing up for you? What did you want to be growing up? When did you get into martial arts? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Um, so honestly, uh, growing up, I, uh, I didn't really think much about you know what I wanted to be, and it definitely wasn't a wasn't a martial artist. Um, I started jujitsu around the time I was five or six years old. Um, my dad uh, had started training, and uh, he started teaching my sister and I. But uh, to be honest with you, I kind of um, disliked jujitsu for a long time because uh, I felt like, oh man. You know, my dad like kind of made us do it because he was like, you know what, this is something that's going to be good for you, um, whether you compete or not. You know, it's good discipline, self-defense, and whatnot. And you know, if you ever need to make money, and you can teach. You know, there's something to something to help you support yourself. So you know, we did it, but uh, I, by no means was it something that I enjoyed, and uh, I wanted to quit multiple times. Uh, thank goodness I didn't. But um, yeah, by the time I got to about 15 or 16, I was like, oh man, this is, uh, this is actually a lot of fun. And I, I started doing uh, a lo- little bit of local tournaments and, you know, did pretty well. Uh, at the time, I was still only training about twice a week, twice, three times a week. Um, and I was managing to do pretty well uh, at the local tournaments. Um, and then what happened was there was only like one or two other juvenile males that were like my my weight in the country so it was like i'd fight those guys you know at, at every tournament and so i was like okay well we've got to move up to the adult category and that's where uh, it kind of started you know like three times a week wasn't enough so uh, i started training you know once trying to do once a day but you know, sometimes it was only like five times five times a week mm. um and uh at that stage uh, I was like, you know, still, I, I managed to, with that training, you know, be pretty good and, and beat most of the guys um, as a green belt. Um, and then I decided one day uh, that I was going to do European trials. I was, I think, at this stage, I must have just turned 18. Uh, and I just got my blue belt. Uh, I decided to do European trials because I was like, man, I was beating everyone. 
training five times a week. And I was like, man, I'm training so hard. I'm going to European trials. Uh, and I went and, you know, I, I, I won my first, uh, or before I, before I get there, um, you know, I had, it was like my first time at like a major competition. Um, and I had like no idea about weight cuts or anything like that. So I was so nervous that I, I entered minus 99 uh, just to be safe. Cause I was like, man, if I miss weight, like this, I can't do that. You know? So I get there on the day I weigh in with all my clothes on and I weigh like 86 point something kilos. So now, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what? No. Uh, and it, like all the officials just laughing at me like, man, you messed up. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, so I go out and I had a really tough first match. I think the dude was a brown belt. Um, don't really know what his name is, but I think he was actually from the UK. Uh, and I managed to get a submission. Uh, Rear naked choke went over him. And then the second round, I came out. And there was just this massive dude, like long blonde hair, German dude. I think his name is Frederick Forsthorn. Uh, I think he trains out of Carlson Gracie uh, in the UK, actually. And this dude was just massive. I think I know who you mean, yeah. He, uh, he heel hooked me in like 15 seconds. And I was like, oh, man. Um, so that was like a big, uh, a big wake up call for me um, that I wasn't training enough. And, you know, I needed to be more precise about my weight and you know prepare you better like for in, in your weight division but it might as well have been like the absolute <laughs> yeah yeah i mean no excuses i mean that was completely my fault you know i, I should have been more aware of that stuff but uh it was pretty funny uh, my dad wasn't too impressed because he's like man we paid all this money to come up here you you put yourself in the wrong uh, wrong weight class mm. um anyway so uh so we went back and um the, the gym that I was training at the time didn't have any more classes, so I, I couldn't do any more. Um, so I started looking for uh, for other gyms. And um, there's a gym that I moved to. It's, it's now Cobrinha Sunnyhill. At the time, was, it was a Gracie Baja. Um, and, man, it was like, it's like my eyes open to how many times I could be training. Um, they have, when they were having like three, four classes a day, um, and so I, uh, I started training there and, um, my professor now worked from there, uh, Richie Kwan, uh, really helped me a lot. Uh, you know, I told him I wanted to compete and, you know, he started really pouring a lot of time into me and helped me out and I had great, great training partners. Um, and that really took my game like to another level from where it was, um, and yeah, then in South Africa, I obviously was was in the adult division now, and I mean, I, I was really really doing well, beating a lot of guys like brown belt Brazilians. Uh, we had like super fight with with guys that were like a lot higher ranked, bigger than me, you know. And I was managing to to finish all these guys. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe this time uh, I'm I'm ready to go to trials. So uh, I booked the trip, trained really hard. Everything was feeling really good. Um, I went in again, minus 88, weighed in. Actually, this time I had to cut a lot of weight to get there, uh, but I made made the weight pretty well, um, and, I, and I felt good. Um, I went in first round. Uh, I won by the, uh, by two points. Got a back take and didn't, didn't manage to finish the dude, but uh, I felt really good, man. Like I controlled him really well. All my movement was good. And then second round, uh, I lost a really close, uh, really close match by a sweep, and I was like, "Man, like, what am I doing wrong?" Um, like, I've been training so hard, everything was going well. Like, 
don't understand. You know, anyway, stuff happens. Uh, and uh, one of the, the other South African coaches that was there, a guy named Kurt George, he uh, he had a student that, that actually won the trials uh, in the females division, uh, Peyton Letcher. Uh, and she was was coming over uh, to train in New York after after the trials, and um, he was like, you know, why don't you uh, why don't you go over and you know train for like a like a month or two with John and or, you know go see what see what you can uh, learn there. So I thought about it. I was like, you know what, why not? So uh, so I packed up my stuff from from Poland, which was not a lot of stuff. It's like weeks worth of clothing, like three training training uh, outfits, and I was like, let's let's do this. So uh, initially, I had to go to uh, go to Dubai first because at that stage they weren't letting people straight into into the states without quarantine. Uh, so I quarantined in Dubai for two weeks, and then I came over. And uh, man, it was uh, like from the start, it was just like I was blown away. Um, obviously, first like excitement, you know, like you know, man, John Danaher, like I'm getting to learn from from the best guys in the world, and then to the point of being, you know, invited to the pro training. Uh, it's just been like a dream come true, and uh, man, the guys have helped me so much. I thought I was, I thought I was training a lot at home, and now it's just, it's just always, always training. Uh, and I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. It's uh, um, in the way that this is going. I, I honestly think that within the next couple of years, like I'll, I'll be at the top of the game, beating, beating all the best names in the in the sport. Um, but yeah, it's. It's just incredible, like like how the journey has, has taken me all these different uh, routes. Yeah, that's, that's an um, amazing story. But uh, man, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be to be where I am, and you know, see where we see where we go from here. So, how long have you been stateside now? Uh, just under six months. Right, right, so, right. Oh, so still kind uh, of still early doors for for being yeah, in, yeah. in America. How is yeah. it culturally different from being back home? Do you find it easy to fit in? Difficult? Yeah. I, uh, I honestly, honestly, for me, it was pretty easy. But but then again, um, it's not like I do a lot of things other than other than training. So um, yeah, people people keep asking me, oh man, like how is it there? Like what are you doing? Uh, and you know, like the place that I go to the most besides the gym is the grocery store. You know, um, <laughs> but, uh, I haven't haven't got to see a, see a lot. But um, like from what I've been around, it's it's pretty easy. It's um, and for me to fit in at least. And I haven't missed home a whole lot. I miss family and, and certain aspects of, you know, friends and whatnot. But uh, in terms of missing home itself, I haven't really experienced that yet. Mm. I think when you're, when you're traveling and, and you've got jujitsu, you feel like you're going into like a little home anyway, isn't it? Because yes, like exactly. the gym kind of becomes your, like your little home away from home with the family exactly. kind of feel. And everyone yeah. looks after each other, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I mean, Gordon has helped me so much. Like I, like I said, I didn't have any clothes, but Gordon's given me clothes training yeah he helped me uh before i had transport he was giving me rides to and from training uh yeah it was just like uh, i didn't expect it all because you know like I, I was when i i'm still like a nobody compared to him you know so for him to be like putting in effort like that and then helping me so much i was like you know really didn't expect that so um yeah super super grateful for that that's nice yeah you hear you hear like a lot of kind of stories about uh Gordon being like such like a nice guy but then like a lot of the times he gets just like a lot of hate for being like, like a social media thing. But then yeah. when you ask people about him, he's always like, oh, he's always like done this to help me and done this to help you now. Yeah, yeah, so It's yeah. nice to hear that. Yeah. Tell me a bit I mean, about, uh, so you go on. No, no, I, I go for it. I was going to ask you a bit about um, the jiu-jitsu scene back home. Like, 
in Johannesburg. Yeah. Like, what's the what's the perspective of martial arts? Is it is it big over there? Is it not big? Like, what where it's is a, that? It's uh, it's definitely not as big as it is like here. And I would say even the UK is probably a lot bigger. Um, but it's definitely growing uh, in the right direction. Uh, when I left, um, there was a like a promotion called Submission Kings that was just getting started. Um, and now in the couple of months that I've been away, they've really, <clears throat> they've really expanded and they're doing a lot of, um, like a lot of, uh, winner takes all tournaments where they're paying the athletes and getting super fights and they're broadcasting it live. So, um, that's really, I think like a good direction for the sport to be going in. So I hope that there'll be more, like more promotions doing, doing what they're doing. Um, other than that, we have like a couple of ADCC nationals, like maybe two every year and uh, AJP tour comes around every now and then. Um, but, but I mean, compared to here, I mean, you've got like tournaments every weekend if you want, like grappling industries. Naga, like, yeah. I know it's not big, but it's like to be able to compete that much really makes a big difference. Uh, mm. You know, when you're going into those big tournaments as opposed to just training and competing once every however many months, you know? Yeah. How come your uh, dad got into jujitsu? What's the story there? Like, you must have been yeah, pretty so, underground then, right? Yeah. Uh, so my dad actually got into jujitsu. Uh, I would say he was always looking for a martial art that um, you know that worked. Uh, he grew up pretty rough, and you know, always getting into fights and stuff at school. And um, you know, he, uh, he the first martial art I believe he did was karate, um, and uh, he got to his brown belt, I think. And you know, it was kind of like you get into a fight, but it was still. Uh, you know, he still get beat up sometimes. Sometimes he win. He's like, no, nah, man, this, this is not it. Uh, and then he transitioned into to kickboxing, which uh, I think, you know, helped him a lot more because, you know, obviously that, that is a like a good martial art to do. Uh, and by the time, you know, that kind of got him through that like fighting stage. But, you know, uh, he was uh, always looking for, for something else. Um, and he came across jiu-jitsu. I, I, it, must be mistaken around the age of, of like 27 28 i'm gonna say he was I, it could be a little bit later i'm not i'm not too sure uh and he uh, he loved it from the very beginning him so him and his brother started together my uncle so the two of them are both black ones uh now nice. um and yeah he he started teaching my sister and i with um before we, we went to class we have a gym at home um the uh, crazy combatives is what we started with um you know, for the first couple of years. So by the time we actually went into kids' class, we were like already, you know, beating up most of the kids just from those um, crazy combatants. But man, my sister, my sister's ruthless. She she stopped for a long time, <laughs> but when we were when we were kids, she used to beat the absolute daylights out of me. It was it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's so funny. It's it's so interesting how many like brother sister pairs that get so good at jujitsu, right? Like, yep. or even brother yep. brother or sister sister. Like, and you got a sibling that's like always kind of with you, like. They get so good so yeah. fast. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm, I'm super uh, like glad she, she gave it up for a long time, man. like ten years. She stopped to do ballet and you know dancing and whatnot. But uh, she recently started again, and uh, she's actually like she's on a, on a pretty good tear back home. And she's undefeated. I don't think she's ever lost, ever actually. I mean, she's only, she should be a, a blue belt, but uh, she, she started again from, from white belt. Um, but she's been all the purple belts and blue belts back home. So I, uh, I hope to bring her over here pretty soon, try and get her training and whatnot here. Too. Nice. That'd be so cool. Eh? Oh man. Your dad must be really proud of you though. Oh, I hope so, man. I hope so. That's uh, one of the things that in life, uh, if, if there's one thing I do, it's to make my dad proud. Uh, 
we have like a super close relationship. Um, I was homeschooled. So, you know, my dad and I did pretty much everything together. Uh, you know, I'd go to, I'd go to work with him, you know, help him out with whatever. Um, so, you know, between doing the schoolwork or whatever, I was just always with my dad. Um, so for me, like to have his support of sending me here, um, you know, believing in me is, is really, uh, it's really great. So I, to make him proud is, you know, one of the, one of the things at the top of the list for me. That's amazing, man. Growing up, I imagine like no one ever was going to try and bully then if you're already like, you know, going through the jujitsu belts. Uh, what was yeah. that like? I mean, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I can't say I had a, a huge problem with bullying. I wouldn't say that it was um, because of jujitsu. I would say it was more because of being homeschooled because I didn't really have a lot of friends like outside of, you know, mm. uh, jujitsu. Um, and also just being with my dad all the time, most of the, the friends I had were all my dad's friends, you know, so they were all like in their thirties and, and forties already. Right. And I was kid hanging around with them. Um, so I would say that, but I would definitely say like, I mean, I don't go out much, but, um, people who don't know me, definitely. If you go, if I go out, like I do pick fights with me every time I go out, man. I don't know if I just, just got one of those faces, but every single time, do just want to fight. I'm like, man, please, no. Um, but uh, <laughs> you yeah, so a bad I, decision. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't go, I don't go out almost at all anymore. Um, it's just I, I don't have the the energy to stay up late. You know, when I when I get back from training now, get back around eight thirty nine, shower, eat, and go straight to bed. You know. Um, yeah. Was kind of kind of good. So don't have any energy to be um, mischievous. I think when you've got like a purpose and something like you're really like passionate about and want to get good at, I think naturally you're just like less inclined to go out and just try and get like smashed, isn't it? Like because yeah, you just want to be yeah. like the best at something. Then it's going to be like you don't want to go out and do all those other things. Just naturally, it just doesn't like occur to you as much. It does, as it. It, yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, there's a big big drinking culture back home for you guys, right? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, to, uh, I, I, I've, um, I've never been a, a big drinker. If I, in fact, I think I drank more before I turned 18 than after and before 18 wasn't, wasn't a lot uh, either, you know, it's just like a sip here and there. But, um, my, um, my uncle's, uh, he's, a I don't know what you would call it, but a, a beer connoisseur. I mean, he makes his own craft beer and whatnot. So he's, he's really into all the, like the craft thing and you know the, the flavors and stuff of all that um but there really is uh, like it, i would say it's pretty big a bit, pretty big culture um back home yeah yeah i imagine it's so, pretty much in the uk right i mean my most of my oh, family yeah, yeah. from from uk back back in the day so yes in the uk too it's just must be in the in the similar kind of gene thing <laughs> yeah so tell me about um, what it was like for you to start training at the new wave. How did that come about and what was it like for you? Yeah. So, uh, so like I said, uh, initially I, I came here um, just kind of for a period of, that was supposed to be two months, um, just to kind of get some experience of what it was like to train here, maybe do a few competitions and then, and then go home. Um, but the first week I got here, I trained a little bit, um, you know, and John came up to me and he, he introduced himself. He was like, you know, would you like to train at the at the pro sessions with us? And, you know, how long are you staying? So I was like, oh, no, two months. He was like, okay, great. You know, come train with us. And, um, yeah, I trained for about two weeks, three weeks. Um, 
And then I said to my, I've been speaking to my parents and I was like, man, like, can I extend the stay? They're like, yeah, well, let's look at the visa. How long? Because I'm still on a, on a tourist visa at the moment. So I actually have to like, leave and come back every now and then, yeah, which makes yeah. it uh, a little bit of a hassle, but, you know, do what you must. Um, so we extended the first time to, um, to six months. So I'm just under the six month mark. I actually leave May 3rd because European trial is coming up. So I'm actually just going straight there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So six months. Um, and then John, uh, at that stage, when I told him I was staying long, he was like, well, you know, what, what would the possibility be if you, you know, staying permanently? And, um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to look into it and see what I can do visa wise. Um, so I've been in contact with, uh, with a few lawyers and we're going to try and, uh, start the process of an athlete's visa. Uh, I'm yeah. just waiting until after trials, you know, hopefully trials go as well. Cause that'll just be like a nice, uh, a nice accomplishment to have, you know, on the application. Yeah. Um, having like those international wins, I think helps a lot yeah. for that, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, being able just to, to train with John, like, uh, like people don't realize, like everyone's like, oh man, they're so good. They're so good. But you know, until you go on there, you're like, man, how good can they be? Um, and then you get here and it's just like, your mind is absolutely blown. Like there's, I honestly don't think there's anything that John doesn't know about, whether it's martial arts or not. Uh, he just, he knows about everything. Like you can just ask him a random question. Like we were like sitting after training last night and, um, you know, someone asked him about, um, you know, what's the best way to like to torture somebody. Um, and, you know, he was like, you know, I read a book about the Soviet archives and whatnot. And, you know, they found the best way to, to like, you know, get information out of someone wasn't with pain. It was from sleep deprivation, you know. So he just he just knows about everything. Um, mm. And then Gordon is just like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just his jujitsu is just so on another level. Like, um, you know, when people I see people commenting. Uh, and like, oh man, you know, I can beat Gordon and whatnot. I'm like, man, you honestly don't even know Jiu-Jitsu if you think you can beat Gordon. Um, his, uh, his mental, like, uh, you know, like stuff is on another level. His physical stuff is on another level. His Jiu-Jitsu is just like everywhere you go, he already knows where you're going to go and he knows how many uh, directions that can branch off into and he knows the counter to each one of those, right? Mm. So before you've done anything, he already knows the outcome of, of every which way that you're going to go. So it's like just no getting away from him. <laughs> so what, so, what is it? What makes like separates like the, the, the best guys in the world. And then like the guys that are like God or the rest of the kind of the top tier team. Yeah. What, what's this difference? You know, I, I think that uh, a lot of people like, because everybody trains hard. So, you know, physical training is, uh, is obviously, I would say the easiest part. Of, of what we do but mentally you like if you go to every training session you train hard but you're not like focused at all the training sessions you know you might not be getting all the uh like retaining all the information so it's like you weren't there um so i would say that a mental a mental uh the mental part of the training is the most difficult and i think gordon is very mentally strong um and also i think he's really really smart like a lot of people are like oh man like people in, in sports, like if you're, if you're at the top of your game, if you're the best in the world at any sport, I think that you're very, very smart. Gordon is, is one of the, I would say one of the smartest people I've, that I've ever met. Um, 
and you know learning to think about things instead of just you know going crazy and you know using strength to blast out of stuff i think makes a big difference so you know yes being strong and being fit is good but also you know being smart um, and being tactical is very important mm. as well. I like a little offside thing like um, as you might imagine, I think about like marketing a lot, uh, you know, vis a yeah. of doing a podcast and things like that. And, you know, when you see God and you think like, as, as amazing his jujitsu is, like his ability to market himself is like, yes. equally like Incredible. as amazing, right? Right. Yeah. Because that's, you know, there are guys that go out and win lots of stuff, but no, that no one like really hears of them or cares about them. Yeah. And then Gordon's yeah. getting 100,000, you know, on NFTs and then on yeah. sponsorships. And like, yeah. <laughs> there's a reason why, right? Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. I mean, if you think about it, like, I I think I know, like, from the last ADCC, I know Gordon won minus ninety nine, Kainan won plus ninety nine, and Mateus Denise won, I think minus eighty eight. But I don't remember who the winner of seventy seven and sixty six were. Um, I don't even know who won female divisions. And it's like, you know, there's so many divisions and so many winners, but you only you only really remember a few of them. <laughs> You know, um, so I think that's that's super important as well. You know, like as an athlete, you have to remember that you, you like you kind of are a, are are how do I like a performer because uh, so you got to win, but you also have to entertain the people because you can be winning, but if you're not entertaining, no one's going to watch you. And then yeah, I think George you know, Pierre's talked quite a bit about that before, actually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, being like yeah. you're a you're a fire, yeah. but at the same time, you're an entertainer as well, right? Yeah, that's the word, entertainer. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, super important, uh, you know, to kind of get that in your in your mental state early on, you know, because it's, it's kind of difficult to learn. Like, I watch a lot of, like, you watch a lot of these Brazilian dudes who, you know, in the gi and they, they win by, like, they get an advantage and then they kind of just stall out for the rest of the match. Um, and then they come over to Nogi and it's kind of the same, but in submission only, there's no advantages, you know, and, uh, it's kind of hard to build that, um, entertainer part of you, you know, if, if you're not like doing it from the very beginning. Yeah. And the, and the cool thing is like, if you look at someone like, um, Craig Jones, who's like, maybe he's lost like a couple of recent matches, but because he's like, so market, he's like so good on his marketing as well with like, he's just got great sense of humor. Like yeah. people still go out by like whatever latest instructional he's done because they like they like him as a guy. They think he's he's got good, obviously yeah. got good great jujitsu. Like that his his marketing ability is like even if he's not winning like in, in his last match or something like no one's like ah oh, fuck it I'm not gonna <laughs> buy his stuff yeah. anymore. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Has your own philosophy around kind of training or, or jujitsu in general changed in the last six months? Um. I wouldn't say uh, my philosophy about jiu-jitsu has changed. Uh, um, I'm definitely, I'm training a lot more than, than what I was. Um, you know, training jiu-jitsu, <coughs> excuse me, um, at least three times a day and then trying to lift about four times a week. <coughs> um, excuse me. Hold on, take a second here. Let me just grab some of this. not not used to talking so much um, <laughs> um yeah um and it was kind of like you know john is teaching all the classes so if he can be teaching all the classes i can be training at all the classes uh so that's kind of the one thing that i was thinking about um you know 
um, a lot of guys are like, oh man, you know, twice a day is enough and whatnot. But uh, I, I, from my own experience, teaching can be just as tiring as training. And yeah. uh, you know, he's been doing this for 30 years, no breaks. So uh, if he's there, I'm going to be there training. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. something Giancarlo mentioned, which was quite interesting, because um, he went from being like the head instructor at uh, Bernardo Farias to then being like a student again under, yeah. under Danaher. He found that to be quite enjoyable from that switch from kind of being a, you know, one of the best kind of guys in the academy teaching everything to being back as a student. And I imagine back home you were also, did you take on a quite an instructor role as well, being one of the better guys? Yeah, so uh, I actually, I have my own academy at home um, right. that, I, that I was teaching out of um, and then I was training somewhere else. Um, so I think that actually really helped a lot because, um, you know, having one place where I was teaching and one place where I was a student. So it wasn't like a mix mm. of the two. I felt like that uh, really helped. Um, occasionally I would teach for my professor, you know, if he was away doing, you know, helping. Uh, he has a lot of affiliate schools around South Africa. And, you know, some of his athletes are in the, um, were in the UFC and PFL and whatnot. So uh, he does a lot of MMA guys. So he would go and help, help them with their camps. Uh, and if he was gone um, and there was no one else to teach the class, you know, I'd help him out and, and teach. But uh, mostly I was a student there. Um, so that was nice. Uh, and then I could teach at my academy. Um, on That's times cool. where I nice to have train. that split, right? Yeah. For you then, if you put your like, teacher's hat on, what is it that like separates Danaher when he's teaching compared to like all the other guys now? And and what, what can we take away from that and try and become better coaches yeah. ourselves? Yeah, I uh, I think one thing that uh, that I've noticed about John is that he never stops trying to learn. Um, there's always he's always trying to you know like develop new things. He's always watching tape. Like if John's not teaching, he's sitting watching tape on 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 whatever. Whatever it might be, it might be wrestling techniques, you know, whatever. But he's never just doing something that's uh, he's never doing something that's not productive. He's always learning, uh, and I think that's super. He's not important. just watching like a soap opera. Yeah, he was telling us last night when he was growing up. You know, his dad dis- uh, despised television, and uh, so, and his dad had like a couple of. Uh, you know, what would be the equivalent of a PhD in the military. I'm not sure what it was in New Zealand at the time. Um, but he would get all these books and, uh, you know, give them to his children. And so John was reading like, uh, you know, I think he said, uh, Sir Isaac Newton's Mathematica at the age of nine years old, you know. Um, right. So doing that, he said one day his dad came in and caught him reading a Batman comic. And, you know, his dad just gave him this look and crumpled up the Batman comic and threw it away. Um, so, you know, that kind of shows you like the, the stuff that he was learning from that young age, um, I think kind of carries over. So he's just always trying to, you know, learn new things and develop new things. So I think that's kind of what sets him apart. You know, a lot of people get to, to a level and they're like, oh man, you know, I made it. You know, I don't have to learn anymore. And I think that's where people make the biggest mistake. Mm. That must be cool from like that, that whole philosophy side of things. You're like a You've heard that saying, like you're a product of like the five people you spend the most time around, kind of thing. Yeah. Like if you're around guys like John and, and that are just like relentless in this pursuit of like excellence, it's like yeah. you're not really going to slack off so much because you're going to be like, yeah. oh well, the rest of my team are like digging out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they're not absolutely. taking any breaks, you know. No, absolutely, it's uh, it's great, man. Uh, I mean, just the the training partners, like 
I mean, Giancarlo is, is such a monster on the mat too, man. Like, so we've got Gordon, um, Giancarlo, we've got Marigali in, in, the, in the room now. So, um, but I, I will say like, you know, besides Gordon just you know, he destroys me, but I really have great, uh, great rounds with Giancarlo. He's, he's so tough. Uh, his yeah, technique. He's such a nice, he seems, seems like such a nice guy as well. Like from the hour or so I spent with him, he's like so cool. Great. Um, but yeah, he, uh, I think he's going to be, you know, a, a force to reckon with at this year's ADCC. Um, it's just, it's crazy. Like the stuff that, that he's, he's uh, also like just in the six months that I've been here, just, like his improvement. And he was good already, man. So six months and we still have time to go until ADCC. I think uh, that 88 division is, is in trouble. Mm. Um, yeah, he's another one that strikes me as like being very intelligent about his, his training. Yeah. When you yeah. when you hear him talk about his like uh, the tactics for things and um, even on the marketing side of things, like look at his like YouTube channel and what he's done yeah. with the fanatics, like very forward thinking. I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, um, it's just uh, it's it's great to be to be trained with with the whole team, man, the whole team. What, what are your like um, aspirations within the sport? I know you mentioned it right at the start, like you really want to go as far as possible, but if you like, just, where, how far do you think you can take it? Yeah. Um, I mean, um, obviously, like, you know, everybody who's competing, it's their, it's their goal to, you know, win ADCC and whatnot. But uh, uh, I honestly, you know, with without sounding too, you know, too boastful, I, I honestly think that I can be better than, pretty much anyone um you know i've only just started training with john but um you know i really don't see i, I watch a lot of, of videos and you know these guys are good but uh i definitely see myself being a lot better than uh than everybody um you know it might take me a take me a while to get to uh to gordon's level but i definitely think it's attainable for me um and uh you know with within the next two three years uh you know i i don't see anybody i don't see anybody beating me so that's that's where i want to be i want to be on a level where uh where i know that no matter who you are it's there's not going to be a question of you know like uh, maybe he wins maybe he loses if if there's a match and my name's on the other side of somebody else's name everybody already knows who's going to win um so that's that's kind of the level that i want to get to yeah it's 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 interesting like what that that, that thing where you're saying like, it's not even a question of whether he, you know, he wins or loses. That's similar, yeah. like back, you'd hear stories of like Mike Tyson back in the day. It would be like, not whether he's going to win or lose. It's like, how, what, you know, how quickly does he knock the guy out, right? They weren't even thinking about the loss. I yeah. mean, I guess it's similar for Gordon now. Like people just want to see like, does he predict the, the finish or, you know, that kind of thing. Like, it, does he, do you feel like now you've kind of got the support network and, and everything in place to to reach that level where you can just, is it, like, if it was me, I was like, oh yeah, how do I do this? I'm like thinking, man, I don't even know what the step-by-step process is. But I imagine yeah. when you've got like training partners like Giancarlo and Margali and Gordon, yeah. all these guys and a coach like Danaher, is it just like, I just need to follow the process kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, um, what's, what's really cool is that, you know, John has done it before. So he knows, you know, everything to look out for. And Gordon is is like the living embodiment of it, you know. So, but it's really nice to uh, to have that, you know, um, to give me like advice and whatnot along the way. 
because obviously there's going to be mistakes and, and setbacks. But um, it's yeah, it's just really nice, you know, if you to think about it and you're like, man, if I need help, it's not like I have to, you know, go and research, you know, the, like potential ways to do this. You know, I have John and Gordon who have done it um, already successfully uh, right here. So that's, that's really uh, something that, nice. That sounds like an, an important thing, like, because you obviously you've got the, the self-belief, which I think is like super important aspect. Like you can't be like going like, well, maybe I'll just be the best in the world. Like if I try really hard, like you really got to believe it, right? But I think also if you've got like a coach or a you know, professor that you can really believe in as well, I think that's you know, equally yeah. an important aspect. How, how does it work? I was asking Giancarlo a little bit about this. Do, do you, like when it comes to instructional content, do you study a lot of that as well? Or if like John brings out something or Gordon brings out something? Because yeah. you've got so, like immediate access to them. Do you still study that kind of thing? Yeah. So before I, uh, before I was, was uh, actually in the US, I used to study a lot of John and Gordon's instructionals. I would say that most of like, like leg lock game and stuff. Oh no, it's just, uh, oh, sorry, it's just cutting out a little bit while the sirens, yeah. Can yeah. you hold it for a second? So um, before I came here, I uh, I studied a lot of, of John and Gordon's instructions and I would say that a lot of my my uh, like earlier, I mean, my leg lock game was, was absolutely, you know, nothing to write home about before I came here, but it was it was good like on South African standards. And I would say mo- like pretty much most of that came from from John's instructionals. Um, now that I'm here, I don't watch as much, um, but I do try and watch at least four times a week, like half an hour at a time. You know, before before I go to bed or whatever. If there's a time where uh, I have a little bit of extra time between training sessions, uh, then I try and watch uh, some of Gordon or John's instructionals. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And do you watch a lot of competition footage as well? Um, yes and no, it depends. Uh, like if there's a, if there's a, like a tournament going on that I'm in, like there's guys in it that, you know, I might be up against soon that, and, you know, I think it might be interesting, then I'll watch it. But, um, I don't really go back and watch, um, watch a lot of, uh, a lot of competition footage, mostly instructional, I would say. Hmm. I, I first heard of you, Luke, when you're on the, um, the who's number one about a month yes. ago, I think it was. Yeah. Um, is there is that um, going to be continuing on for you? You're going to try and get onto more tournaments like that as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was that was an awesome opportunity. Again, like thanks to Gordon. Uh, you know, I don't know how long it would have taken me to to get onto something like that without uh, without him. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely um, I'd definitely love to get on on some more shows like that. Um, obviously, right now ADCC trials is the focus, so you know we're kind of training in that rule set and you know getting ready for that. But um, yeah, when I when I come back, that's that's definitely uh, I definitely love to get on some more of those. Um, yeah. What, any- what's your personal opinion on like competing? Because uh, you train in the gi still a little bit, right? You're helping Marigali the other day. Yeah. So, you, what's your opinions yeah. around that? Yeah. Um, honestly, it was the the the. That training session was the was the first time I trained in the gi in about half a year, um, and uh, I used to train in the gi quite a bit, um, and it was uh, I really enjoy it, um, so it was nice to to kind of get back in. Uh, it's definitely something that I feel is um, is pretty different to nogi, uh, but I do think that if it is possible for you to be like good in both, um, 
that it is beneficial to you uh, because especially if you want to open a school down the line, you know, people want to do gi and no gi. If you can teach both, it, it kind of just attracts more people. Um, I do think that my no gi game is a lot better than my gi game was. So um, I, uh, I'm going to see what happens. If Merigali stays with us permanently, which I think, I think he is, um, I'm going to start training in the gi uh, with him as well. And then hopefully no next year, um, I'll do worlds in the gi and, and see how that goes. Uh, and then, you know, kind of take it from there. But, uh, for now, my main focus is, is no gi. Yeah. What an exciting time with so many options for you, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's great, man. Uh, I mean, to be able to just to train with Mirigali in the gi was, that was something special, man. Um, like, uh, the, the way that he moves in the gi is just incredible. Um, you know, there's, there's a reason he is who he is, you know. Um, it's, it's something spectacular to, to witness. What does like a normal day look like for like you as a, as a you know, a full-time yeah. jiu-jitsu competitor then? Like from getting oh, up, like how does it work? Yeah. So I, uh, I, uh, I have to get at least eight hours of sleep. Otherwise, I can't mm-hmm. get through the day. Um, so I get to bed, I'd say around 10 p.m. And then I, I get up six or seven. Um, you know, get up, shower, make something to eat. And then my first, my first training session is at 10, p- uh, 10 a.m. Uh, and that's 10 to, I would say, 11.30, 11.45. Um, I'll come home, shower, eat, and then the next training session starts at 1.30. Um, 1.30 until about 4 p.m. And, and um, just to stop you there, like Giancarlo was saying, like, John doesn't tell you, like, what the what you're going to be learning that day is it it's just like you're going to show up and it's like <laughs> yeah so, um, yeah it, yeah it's kind of and it, it can be like completely different like so the morning it can be completely different the morning session the, the midday session and the evening session like completely unrelated yeah um, and then some days it'll be you know continuous so you never know what you're going to get it's uh which is, which is people might, listening might not understand but as a, as a coach i'm sure you'll understand like Doing that much lesson planning for like something that's going to oh, be like different is insane. <laughs> great, it's crazy. Um, you know, I used to try and plan out my lessons like a week in advance. You know, yeah. you know, try and know. Okay, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. But uh, so for him to be doing like you know different stuff every class is just crazy. Um, so yeah, uh, second second training of the day, one thirty to about four p.m. And then uh, I will shower at the gym. Uh, kind of head straight over um, to the next session, which starts at 6.30. So it's a bit of time in between there. Like sometimes it uh, depends on how late, you know, sometimes you stay and chat a little bit after training. Uh, if I come, like if I leave straight away, I can get home around five, you know, relax for a bit. You know, that's the time where I'd maybe watch some some, uh, some tape uh, and then head over to, to the next session, which starts at 6.30 and ends at 8.00. Uh, and then some days, about four times a week, in between 4 p.m. and 6.30, I'll, I'll try and get a lift in. Um, so that's pretty much every single day. That's full on, eh? Yeah. Doesn't and leave a lot of time that, for a social life, does it? <laughs> oh, man. Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, like, it goes back to that thing of, like, 
your your family then just become the guys at the gym, right? Because like you're not yeah. going out to see friends after training. You need to eat, yeah. shower, sleep. Like yeah. so, the people you're seeing all day is your teammates. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, in a way, it's uh, it's kind of good, you know, because you build that kind of relationship with people. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely not something I'm complaining about. Uh, you know, I'm I wouldn't say that I'm a a very social person anyway. Like I'm, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with my own company. Uh, if need be so uh, for me like not being able to, to go out and do things is not, not a huge issue do you think about like the philosophy side of things of martial arts is there like a, a value structure you think people should try and adhere to as martial artists or do you just feel purely see it as like a sport kind of thing I mean yeah I mean I think uh, I haven't thought about that too much to be honest with you um, I mean yeah I mean I suppose you, in, in some aspects, you know, it's like, you know, respect and whatnot, but on the other side of it, it's like, you know, it is a sport and, you know, people are like, oh man, you know, Gordon talks so much shit and, you know, this is not the way that the sport should be going. But at the, on the other side of that, you know, what has that done for the sport? It's grown us so much, you know, so you have to look at both sides of, both sides of things. So I definitely think that uh, in terms of what we're doing for sport, um, you know, the way Gordon's gone is probably the best way. <laughs> mm. Do you think, um, I guess, you know, for in the coming years, if, if everything goes to plan, and I'm sure it, it will for you, you know, by the sounds of your de- dedication alone, like you becoming a, a rising star in jiu-jitsu, and especially I think you'll be looking at like being an inspiration for other young South Africans. Do you, do you think about that at all? Like there's going to be a lot of people back yeah. home being like, oh, okay, if Luke can do it, man, like, you know. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, it's, uh, it is something cool to think about that, you know, um, you know, guys that are coming up back home, you know, might be wanting to pursue this, you know, um, and realizing that it is possible um, because I mean, you really, anything that you put your mind to, you can do. So, uh, it, it is really cool. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to be home for a bit after trials. So we're doing, um, some of the, going to some of the local competitions there, just watching and, you know, hopefully there's, um, couple couple of the youngsters that are coming up looking good um you can have a look at but uh but yeah it's definitely uh something that i think about a lot is that you know uh as a south african who was like man is this even possible to you know this happening to me it's like uh it definitely uh is nice to to think about the younger south africans having that like looking up to me and you know being able to say hey that that is possible you know yeah it is definitely something awesome yeah, i think especially you know since you've been in the sport since you were you know five years old as well and you know you can think back to you know if you had someone i obviously had your dad as a great role, role model but like as an international kind of um star someone from you know johannesburg like leading the leading the way i think that would be really special yeah. for, for yeah. some of the guys back home for you yeah i i could be mistaken i do believe there was a south african dude uh I think might have even won ADCC like a long time. I think his name was Mark Robinson. I don't even know what the year is, but uh, I believe that that he won that. But I mean, I didn't even hear about him mm. until I was like 17 years old. Um, so it is kind of like, you know, sad that, you know, someone did accomplish that, but then, you know, kind of just got like a little bit forgotten about. Yeah. Um, Back to kind of the marketing thing, right? Like jujitsu is kind of exploding. And, and now I guess with uh, modern media, stuff like this, 
um we hear about more of those things right yeah uh, instagram so, yeah. You know, stuff like that um uh, i'm gonna kind of i know you got training to get to so i want to make sure we, we end this on time but um what i was, was going to ask you is like if there's anyone um you want to recommend yeah, most of the new wave guys we're going to try and message them and get those on at, at some point trying to get down to her for episode 100 um but is there anyone maybe back home or in the jiu-jitsu community that got a cool story to tell that you think should be shared um back home there's a there's a couple people um there's no one that's really pure jujitsu i mean um my my coach rich Kwan, he's he's got uh he's got a lot of stuff to tell i mean i'm sure he wouldn't wouldn't mind being on the on the podcast if you want to you know get a hold of him he's got some some really cool stuff um really cool stuff that he's done that'd be um, awesome man yeah, in, in terms of new wave guys, uh, I mean, you know, everyone, I, I, Oliver's pretty cool to talk to. Uh, really nice dude as well. Um, you've spoken to Jim Fowler, and then obviously Gordon and John. But uh, but yeah, if, if there's someone in South Africa that you want to talk to that is really like a pioneer of, you know, martial arts in general in South Africa, um, it's going to be Richie Kwan. That'd be amazing. I'll, uh, I'll message you and try to get his uh, Instagram yeah. handle yeah. for you, and I'll, I'll reach out to him and we'll get him on and and getting to share his story and a bit more of South African jiu-jitsu and yeah. other martial arts. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Um, well, Luke, I hope everything goes well. When's European trials? Uh, it's May 7th and 8th. So uh, I fly out May 3rd and then, you know, we'll be competing those days. So, yeah, coming up quick now. Amazing. Where is it? Uh, it's in Poland, actually. Um, they okay. moved it. It was originally supposed to be in Moldova, but with the, the whole Ukraine thing, kind of moved right. it just... One country down yeah yeah so, probably for the best yeah. man probably yeah for the best. <laughs> all right man. well we'll be everyone here at gbrl will be definitely wishing you uh, a whole best if you do ever find yourself in the uk of course come over come stay um, and awesome, do some man. training with us do a seminar yeah, whatever you, whatever you want to do man um awesome. but until then thanks so much hopefully we can do this again at some point oh, all the best. A, thank you so much for for having me on i really appreciate it appreciate it luke okay awesome, man, i'll end man. it there Thanks so much, man. Have a great day today. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.